The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts, combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. Which doing first phase, like back to back to back, made me <laughs> made me really comfortable in the water, even though I didn't come from a swimming background. I, I was like, it was like, yeah, trial by fire. fire. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> for sure. So obviously, you, you finish Buds, and uh, did you want to stay on the West Coast? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's one of these great lessons. You got to always fight fight for what you want. Just like Buds did in a, you know, I got performance dropped at first, and I had to I had to literally fight to just be able to stay in and do the training again. I was set to go to five, and then out of nowhere, something happened. And I was going to go to SDV one and in Hawaii, <laughs> and I want to stay in California. I was real close with the Gracie family. I had a lot of, you know, friends who trained jiu-jitsu there. I, Hawaii, you know, California is already kind of tough to get back and see my family, who I'm very close with. Hawaii's like 10, 10 hours of flights alone, not even. Yeah. So I went, I went, there was like an administrator. And I was like, it was a older <laughs> lady, really nice. And I was like, Hey, uh, I have my girlfriend moving out here. I was set to go to five. I don't know if I can trade with someone or anything. And she's like, "Yeah, if you get someone to switch with you, it'd be it'd be easy." I'm like, "All right, anybody in this class want to switch to go to Hawaii? I'll pay you like five thousand dollars." I'm like, "I'll." You know, it was a big big deal. My my girlfriend at the time had a um, had a job already lined up. Hawaii just would have been so much tougher, and. I wanted to do more of the regular team's mission than the STV mission. And um, I went back, talked to the lady a little more, and she ended up talking to someone and getting me just switched, like, on her own then. And wow. I'm like, Damn, that, was that just that over on an admin on... Uh, yeah, I guess, what is it, PSD yeah, or over something? Yeah, Little, uh, Little Creek, over on freaking... Uh, In Coronado. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Damn. So she, so she got me switched out, and then... Yeah, so and I ended up, I did SQT, which is like another seven months, and that was really awesome training. Um, and the really cool thing, we didn't, all the class ahead of us, I think no officers made it through. We had we had a few officers, but they always go to Jotsi as we go to SQT, and so we had no officers in our class. Wow. So the LPO was like the OIC for our class. And it was kind of it was kind of cool being an all e dog class. Only twenty six of us. We were a small class, and you know we go first. We went to San Diego, just skydiving was freaking awesome. Um, then we went out to Alaska, did five weeks there. All this winter warfare. You know we do the rewarming drill, which we walked out onto a lake. We basically break through. 
we have to dunk our heads, and then we stay there for five minutes. It was kind of funny. I was like, after I was in there a little bit, I'm like, actually, this doesn't feel bad at all. And they go, all right, guys, get ready to get out. And I go, wait, we're done already? <laughs> and the instructor goes, well, you were going to be done, but you're not anymore. <laughs> and everybody just starts, like, yelling at me. I'm oh, like, I bet, dude. I'm, I'm like, like, oh, shit. Just fuck and, the team. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, I feel like an asshole now. I'll be the last one to get out. And then you get out of the water, and you have to set up a tent. And you have a partner, set up a tent, set up a stove, and then you uh, bring your stove into the tent, and it dr- drives you out. It's like a sauna in there, basically. So that was cool. Fit. That was like after a three-day nav and do a bunch of other survival training, kind of built like a shelter, all this stuff. Um, and then come back, do Mar Ops training, do combat diver think like around there, meet a bunch of friends, went to Lake Havasu and did spring break. That was <laughs> that's, that's a time. win. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound horrible. I was all about the spring spring breaks back then. And uh, did land warfare out the out in the desert. That was actually a brutal thing for me because, you know, first training, it, it's not that intense. You're shooting some rockets, shooting some machine guns, doing different things. And then we have to do an 18-mile ruck run with is like it, se- 70 pounds. Is this Nyland? Nyland, yeah, got it. Exactly. Yeah. I've trained out there actually after uh, some other stuff, after recon and the, the Marsoc stuff. Um, yeah, I know exactly where that's at. So we go, they're like, you're going to do the run at night because during the day it's like 130 degrees and at night it's only like 105. So you got all this gear and you're running and guys have like headlamps to try to make sure they don't step into a hole or anything. And then with like seven miles left, I step in a hole tear my ankle Ugh. so bad and I like can't put any weight on it especially with I'm like how am I gonna do this and they're like all right we called for a corpsman and I'm waiting there like five minutes and there's like a t- you have a time limit I think it's three hours or four hours something like this and I had ran a decent amount of the way in the beginning I was running when I hit the hole and and I'm like all right I don't have that much like time to do this or I, I just need to start going. I can't run. I just tight, tighten my boot as tight as I can. I just, like, kind of drag my foot behind me for the last several miles. I see with, like, maybe three or four minutes left, I have maybe a quarter mile or maybe a half mile to go. I, is, I didn't have, I didn't have a, I think it was marked for distance two. I realized I'm like, I have to run. I'm like, oh, shit. Fuck. And I'm just like, and I didn't stop for any water breaks after I hurt my ankle because I didn't have I didn't have time. And I'm just like I just start like running, ugliest run ever in my life. I'm just like running and running. I make it across in maybe ten seconds or something to make <laughs> to make the time. And I'm uh, I'm like, damn, my ankle hurts so bad. And I take off my I take off my boot and my whole foot is black. And I'm like, I actually got a little like Remember thinking a little tear in my eye. I'm like, that was kind of tough, and you did it. I was like, that was, I was kind of, almost like the hell week when I finally made it through. I was like, actually, that's actually kind of cool, because when I got, I was getting. There's a thing called base tour. We'll go back to hell week where I was getting crushed. There's a thing called base tour where you just run around sprinting with a boat all night on your head, and, I mean, everywhere you probably do 50 miles with a boat on your head during hell week, guys. Some people have broken their necks in training. Uh, 
it rips all the skin and your rips all your hair off in the middle of your hair, and guys are looking like Friar Tuck with no like no skin there, and it's like salami or pepperoni, like scabs is what it looks like. These things, and so you're everywhere you're going, and I remember just getting like run into the ground with it, and then have, then you do like almost sprints with, and I'm like my legs didn't work. I'm like it was one of the worst hardest nights of my life to just keep going and going like through that the best I could. That might've been like Tuesday night. And then as I did that in 272, when I was like healthy and strong and I remember like just being able to sprint through all that and we finish and we're going to like breakfast in the morning. I like, you know, hell week you, you get like four bricks a day to go eat for like an hour each time but you, you get like an hour and a half nap on Wednesday and like an hour and a half nap on Thursday. And, uh, and so I remember finishing that and there was just such a, I felt so unbelievably strong compared to when I, the class before I got like a tear down my eye. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. There's nothing they can do. I am like, I still got it. And now everything's going <laughs> to, everything starts getting e- easier. And my body, I, I could, a lot of times, you know, there, other than losing, like, all the skin getting ripped off from from my, like... Chafing? Yeah, chafing. Yeah. Just everything was all chafed because they just had us crawling for everywhere, too, and all the skin here, and I had, like, bursitis coming out of my elbows. But other than that, like, I could... My legs were just machines there. So I, so it was kind of a similar thing where I, I, I finished it, and, uh, yeah, I kind of got, like, almost a little little tear there I'm like damn that was like really tough and you you made it through this run um but now my ankle was like throbbing and and um I mean I ended up needing surgery years later you know I got a whole yeah my ankle reconstructed and everything but uh you think it was from that one event no I know 100 percent damn um they I like showed them my foot and it was giant and swollen and black and they took me they took me to the hospital and got an x-ray and like my ligament had been pulled off the bone and stuff. Ugh. So they're like, yeah, they're like, why'd you keep running? Why didn't you stop? Like you, you this fail. was like a really serious injury. And I'm like, that would have been quitting. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's not. They're like, damn. They're like, you guys got this buds mentality. They're like, we don't want you to get hurt. Like now you're going to get rolled and miss your, miss your class. I'm like, I'm not going to get rolled. Uh, and they're like, you're on crutches. I'm like, they're like, all right, you got three days to get better, and then we're going to start IADS. And I literally was like on crutches for all these days, just icing my ankle. And then they started a IADS. I had to turn in my crutches for a machine gun and start a, yeah, just start running around in the desert on night vision with a... <laughs> Holy shit. So everybody has like a collateral duty as well you got all these different things you got to do it was kind of cool my collateral duty was just taking care of my ankle <laughs> and <laughs> i i would come back as soon as we'd finish i just would be icing my ankle they gave me like a really good brace to wear and uh just completely immobilize and, it yeah and i i was gonna be like a heavy machine gunner and they are like, all right, you're not carrying that. And I just, I just had my M4, so I'd be just limping around on crutch on a, with my neck. Sounds like a lot of guys were trying to take care of you, too. For sure, for sure. I was, yeah. You carried your it weight. It was really good. Yeah. Definitely. And then, so fin- so finished finished that. It wasn't pretty. 
and uh, and then started close quarters combat, which is all the all the kill house stuff, and that's where a lot of people can get rolled. Um, my, nobody got rolled in my class. Nice. We went into the next one, and now it was um, the precursor to combatives. It was CQD, close quarters defense, and it was kind of the system where yeah. they would do. Or is it? Does it rhyme with? Stuff. Does it rhyme with Dieters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it, doing the GRS thing at the agency, we started out. Luckily, it's gone now, but it was all Dieters, Dwayne yeah. fucking Dieters bullshit. Yeah, that was yeah. we did the same exact thing. We when that got big, we were doing. Uh, and it's crazy how that got big. Sustema, I think it was as we started, and then it, they were like, "Okay, yeah, now you guys are gonna go." We went over to over on to uh, Army Base from Little Creek there, and and they had the. The Dwayne Deere hitting the pads and doing all that stuff, and I was like, "This is a little weird." And yeah, so we did we did all that <laughs> stuff, which it came full. You know, he he wasn't there. I hadn't met him. Do all this theater, seek close quarters defense because I have a story. Uh, then the the course got changed, and it was combatives, and it was more of a MMA, but yep. not like you know. You're not doing jujitsu to take someone down and armbar them. You're or you know do a flying triangle. You're like, all right, you're on your back. You end up in a bad position. How to sweep the guy, get back to your feet, and get back to your weapon. All right, a guy comes in, comes through a false wall behind a couch, whatever, gets a jump on you. He has you in a clinch. How to put him in a Muay Thai clinch, hit him with a knee, get back, get to your secondary. Guy comes, shoots on you, tries to take you down, and how to sprawl, come back up, knee him in the head. Get your get your secondary guy pins you on a wall. How to use wall wrestling, cage wrestling, to uh or to like, you know we don't have rules like we could. I had a technique where I'd push guy's head down, hit him in the C spine. You can break their neck or just go to your secondary contact shot to their head. Yep. Um, all this stuff. It was badass course, and that that's kind of things I was teaching when I went back. I got recruited. Was a combatives instructor there. There was. Some other SEALs who were like, yeah, we don't want to ever turn down training. Dieter wants us to go through. Uh, he's offered to train us for free to be able to possibly incorporate some Dieter things back into our course. And uh, so I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's see how it goes. I kind of had an open mind. And now when I was in college, I had trained a lot of jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and had a you know good foundation i was a blue belt and had amateur muay thai fights then after i made it through sqt and graduated and was at team five started training at victory mma with dean lister and jocko um jocko would choke me all the time it was awesome <laughs> and he, he he was in charge of our training too and um and then after i did my two deployments and became an instructor all the instructors there were training at the arena mma and so we started started training uh, there after that, and and so I do some of this training with Dieter, and the guy was I mean he was such a liar it was unbelievable he would tell us these stories and I'm like I cannot believe he is telling us these stories I'm like and and it's not like a story of a you know he was speaking to us directly I heard it all with my ears he would be like oh yeah I was always embedded with SEAL Team 6 when they were in Iraq doing their missions. It was like, this guy was just... Do you have no idea who he's talking he, to? What's he mean by just embedded? 
Like, what are you talking he's, about? He literally he's told too, He literally, right? yeah, he's a civilian yeah. that teaches some, like, kind of martial arts program for the military. They're not going to have you come. He said he, he, he created the Picatinny, how does he say it? The Picatinny, Picatinny rail. 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 He said he created that. He said, he said, uh, he said literally, like, Dev Group was out doing a mission. They're like, do you ever see, there's this famous photo where there's a guy who um, had his head blown and all the blood is up on the wall. Well, you know, I was back on the base and Team 6 was out and they were doing a mission and they realized they got there and I wasn't there. So they called back to me and I drove out and met them, joined them in the train, went through, and one of the guys that we shot was... Uh, that was his head that was on the wall and everything. And I'm just like, what? The? <laughs> they they like, forgot you and they, they called is, you back. How is this guy ever teaching? And then, then he'd teach us these techniques. And it's like, all right, you get knocked to the ground. And these people are trying to, like, stomp on your face. It's like jujitsu or MMA. You immediately get your feet up, out. You can, like, kick them, create distance. Then you can get back to your right, secondary right. or or get your feet up, kick them away, get to your secondary, shoot. His technique was you want to have your feet flat on the ground, put your knees in oh, to protect, I to protect your nuts. The walk, the and walk, then, yeah. Then the. as they're trying to stomp on your head, you are, you are Continue there, to strike them until you get you, up. You, yeah. What's this even called? Like a, I don't like it, he called it like a, some sort of palm strike, but it was yeah. the yeah, like it was like a pizer, the pizer, yeah. pizer so, form. You literally you put your knees together, you do, and you're just like trying to, like, as a guy's trying to stomp yeah. your head. Yeah, that's your technique. Well, they were freaking. doing that stuff. To, like when we went through that the combatives thing, you know, you're in the room with the the in the box, the yeah. bag comes up. Like I had a dude. Well, a bag comes up at one point, and there's two dudes right there. They just jump on me. And they're like, strike, strike, strike. And I'm like, like, and at one point I had enough clearance where I could have pulled my pistol. They're like, no, keep pushing them back. Keep like, and a bunch of the guys, one of the, uh, we had a senior chief that was going through us at the time and he was a big BJJ guy and super into all this stuff. And he's like, why are we doing this? And this is a conversation between the guys in my debt. We're like, why are we doing this? If we can pull a fucking gun, you know, because at the other times when we had fucking distance between us, like, they had at one point, like, a bunch of people lined up, like, fucking in the haji robes, and dudes pull guns, and you, you fucking pull your gun and go at them. But, like, why are we striking when we can pull a fucking pistol? And it, it, everyone had that and conversation, and no one was ever willing to stand up. None of the combatives instructors are there were ever willing to stay. Well, this is why you do it. That all changed then. Yeah. When there, was a, there were several guys who got there before me that changed, revamped the whole course. And then they were trying, Dieter was trying to get <laughs> some of his stuff back in. And there was a couple of things that were okay. Like he had muzzle strikes yes. with the yes. M4 that were, aw- that were awesome. And we called it like level one and level two strikes. Yeah. I remember, yep. right? Yeah. And then there was like, you know, you have your pistol and kind of same thing. You can muzzle strike with that. That's great. And a lot of people would say, oh yeah, I used, I used these palm strikes though overseas and they work... They work awesome, and it's like, well, when you're a 200-pound Navy SEAL with, like, 10 other 200-pound Navy SEALs that are with you, you could do whatever you want, and it's going to mostly work, you know? But that doesn't mean it's the best thing, and it's what you should be using. Right. Like, I, and so, um, 
we we had a different contractors who were in like pro fighters and people and advisors uh you know black belts in jiu-jitsu had a bunch of mma fights all these things and i was like hey and i pointed i'm like hey <laughs> these are the techniques that they want us to do over here uh, what do you think and because i wanted i wanted it to make sure that it was never gonna be that i wasn't gonna have to deal with him ever again and made it i made it like a big deal and uh he's like that's all gonna get everybody killed if that's what people are trying to do while someone's stomping on your head yeah and then and never never saw him again the only time i that. ever saw that so, these guys good, that guy. tried to say something that made a little bit of sense they're like hey you're in a bar it was like the civilian side if they're like if you're in a bar they're like and your hands are up you know and you fucking start striking somebody like that you know people aren't going to say oh they had his hands you know they were trying to play it into this like during your time off sort of thing and we were like, okay, yeah, I could kind of see that. But other than that... Like, this was the, like some classic 80s fucking tool bag. And that was his, his background Rambos. was like they, late 80s, early 90s was when Dwayne Dieter yes. was in. He was what? He was a team two or four guy or something like that, right? I thought he was an East Coast guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a civilian, a dude. He wasn't a SEAL. I thought he was. He no, worked no, his no, fucking... No. He worked no. his way into SOCOM. No. In NSW, and then yeah. worked his way into the. Fight. I remember seeing a picture of him years ago no. where he's like in no. a fucking boonie cap, woodland camis. He's yes. got a fucking sig in his hand, and he's pointing towards a playing, fucking playing dress up. Yeah, he's just oh, playing dress dude. up for some role for some role playing. Ah, see, dude, I always thought he had fucking scenario, been, a, been scenario, a fucking team guy. Not no, dude. A fucking he worked chance. his way into the agency, and we did Dieters. At TDC. How the fuck did that happen? He worked, he, he, he sucked some dick to get into this yeah, fucking environment, he, dude. He befriended some guys who had the power to pick whatever program they wanted. And, I mean, as I said, if you're a 200-pound Navy SEAL doing something aggressively, it's gonna... If you could be like pinky strikes, and that shit would have worked on most people for us, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. And he had, but, it had to be where he was hitting up guys who didn't have any training, and they were just impressed yeah. by what he said and some of the things he did, and they just bought into you it. You know how NSW and all SOCOM, dude, like, they're always looking for the new hotness. Right. He just got to the right ear. Yep, it was yep. something different than before. And again, like you said, some of the strikes for sure would knock a motherfucker out. For sure. Because of who's throwing it. Who's right, throwing it. for sure. <laughs> Speed and violence, right? I get yep. it, but like exactly like you said. <laughs> but like yours, I, I, I forgot about I the just, I forgot about the knees thing. The, yeah. the toes sort of inward. And like, walking like you got to take a piss. Yeah, <laughs> having trained like as much as I did and doing that, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be able to. I'm glad I did all that training because then I could, I could, <laughs> and I I could just say the things that that he said about what he was doing with Team Six and all these all these weird things and creating the Picatinny rail and all that, that the guy's just a compulsive liar as That's well. That's insane, bro. Yeah. So yeah. Fo- wow. Everyone listening, if you are, if you know this son of a bitch, <laughs> like point him our way. Cause this is not the first time I've heard these fucking stories and I, I'm pretty sick and tired. I, I met a guy at a fucking bar in garden Grove. Same thing. In the first five minutes of meeting this grown man in my entire life, who's drinking a glass of fucking wine at like a bourbon bar <laughs> Wrong, right after fucking bat. He's telling me he like taught celebrities like jujitsu and like Aikido. He's like the classic, classic Steven Seagal bullshit. He's like, oh, I was a Green Beret. Literally, I've never met this man in my life. 
I'm a Green Beret. Yeah, well, in the first two minutes that comes out of their mouth, you know it's bullshit. Dude, so I fucking Google. He gave me his business card. He was like on all these <laughs> magazines, the Black Belt magazines, you know, Green Beret. I Googled this dude, called him my Green Beret buddies. They looked in the God book. They're like, we don't know who the fuck this dude is. Yeah. He was never in the fucking military, man. So I got like 20 fucking people on this dude. Like there God damn. are a ton of fakers out there, man, and I hate them all. And I'm a little, little, little <laughs> pissed off about it, but they, they ruin... They ruin a lot of good names, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Stolen valor. <laughs> yeah, it was illegal for a long time. It was a federal offense, and now it's... And then a, bu- then a bunch of people turned it into a fucking First Amendment thing, free speech. Yep. And now I it's... I think it's still there. Now it's, you, it's still illegal, but it's... I, I believe I it's... You it's have to... Illi- you, have, you have to be getting, like, monetary. Right. You have to like have, fraud. like, gotten That's money yeah. from whatever the bullshit that you come up Which with. Which falls more under, like, fraud at that point, right. I guess. Right. Um, and this guy was doing that, because it was in published... I like, can't believe he was saying that. <laughs> they forgot me, and they came back, and they got it me, was and put me in... Cra- I'm like, do this without you. I'm like, do you guys hear what he said earlier? And they're all like, yeah, I'm like, I'm glad he said it, because now I can I, I literally... I'm not going to let these things go. And I'm going to, if anyone wants to, it was actually a similar thing. When I was going through Bud's, we had a guy, and you know, nice, nice enough guy, but uh, he was like an indoor rowing expert, was like one of the best, like best or something. And he was in, like an advisor on a fitness for like Bud students and stuff. And he would come and speak to us and none of the instructors would be there and He'd be like, yeah, you know, you guys are just working out so much. It doesn't matter. You could have Pop-Tarts instead of an apple. All, like, all this processed food. He goes, it's the same amount of calories. It doesn't matter. I'm like, that is not right. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be eating processed, like, crappy sugar when you could have, like, natural fruit and yep. different things. And he would, he would say this stuff, and it was just weird. And then I went and did a two you know, two deployments, and I became an instructor, and during the instructor qualification course, he came and spoke to us now and advised us on a bunch of stuff, and we did, like, some workouts with him and different planks, and it was like a bunch... He said the same thing to us again, and now I had some power. <laughs> now you you're know, like, it's called bullshit. And, and I'm like, course critiques came around, and I'm like, all right. I was... I was four years ago, I was a Bud student. This guy was saying all this weird stuff. I don't know how we got the job here. It doesn't make any sense. He doesn't belong. doesn't fit with the culture of NSW. And, and he's telling all these kids they should be eating Pop-Tarts and soda and all this stuff. And he's like a nerdy indoor rower. Like, that's, that's his claim to fame. And now he's... I can't imagine how many thousands of students he's talked to through all these years telling them this garbage. And n- now he's saying it to instructors as well. And uh, I, there, there was a lot more things I'm forgetting. Right. I basically said all that. Josh Bridges was in my class too, who was like a, one of the best CrossFit guys in the world, Navy SEAL. And me and him both just wrote like scathing <laughs> course critiques. And I heard, and they always said, goes all the way to CO. CO reads everything, especially from the instructors. And... Ever since then, he never spoke to students again. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's kind of like the command's fault for 
Not I was like, the, does nobody how does he watch that, this yeah. guy speak? And he's literally speaking to thousands of students. Or maybe he did and he played the game. I think he had like got been around a while too and like worked his way up yeah. as a GS and it's harder to get rid of people. Oh, for it's sure. Like, now you got this like GS that's just like high ranking that's hard to get rid of. That's completely worthless. Yeah, and you probably played the game at the beginning and said what he had to say and they like let him just run his own shit away from other people watching him and then he just started spewing it to fucking mouth. Got yeah. that got that power. Yeah, that's crazy. So you, you said you, you went on a couple deployments, so got the bird. You know, we, I'm going to talk about all that stuff for sure, but not to wrap this up, but you know, like some of these bullet points. You're in the teams, you're at five, and where was your first deployment? Where was that? So 2010, went to Fallujah. I know a little bit about that place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What years were you there? Oh, four. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, I was totally... I mean, very different than the Marines had left the bigger the bigger base Mechan, and went yeah. to went to Afghanistan, and then it was kind of like a we were a forward operating base, so we just had forty guys. So where were you at exactly? If you remember, what I mean, the NSW part of that base, it was just like a. Or were you still at that that big? Because it was like the Met Camp was was like the old, it was like the Clover Leaf, and it was like south and east. Uh, Fallujah, and it, it had like different names. It was like Blue Diamond, I think, was one of them. And there was a smaller one outside of that. So, yeah, I was just wondering where. So we had how it was in 2010, six years later. Yeah. So we had a, you know, there, there's a big, there's a big base that the Iran, Iraqi Army now had. Yep. And there was like another kind of part that there was some what's it called cultural engagement teams or hmm. civil affairs officers oh, that yeah. kind of had their own little part too. Might have been another kind of fob. But then there was like a PSD. There was like a shake in the area that we hired his security and they would be outside the base. It was almost like a big, you know, wall around. Oh, no way. Might have been like two acres. And then inside that, there was Iraqi SWAT. We called them SWATIs. And they were our um, security no, I'm, they were like our partner for missions and stuff sometimes because yeah, yeah. we kind of had to do missions with them. And, it was, I mean, it was kind of funny. We're, somehow a game of soccer got started between us and them one time. <laughs> and we're, like, running around playing soccer with these guys. I think I totally, like, ran someone over. And my buddy's like, dude, you're going to start an international incident. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I think there's already been one. <laughs> like... Uh, but then there was, so the SWATIs are on the outside, and I mean, anytime you're going, you you always have your gun on you, you know, any anywhere you go. And then inside of that, there was like another wall with like barbed wire around it, and and uh, we had then we had a big Betsy cam. So all it was like maybe eighteen seals, a couple EOD, and then like twenty techs, CBs, mechanics, cooks. Intel, admin, different some different things. Um, almost like half and half operator, half support. Right. And then there was a big Betsy cam that was up in the middle that would be like the eye in the sky. Yeah, like the G boss type watching, thing. Yeah. Watching. So if all of a sudden a bunch of like, you know, guys and trucks start coming, we could everybody had their guns all up on our walls, like ready, ready to go. Our body armor up on a wall, you could just grab, throw it on, run outside, go get after it. They had a tower, you could do like sniper from and um, 
get an A-dub up there. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was our base. Um, yeah. It was it was cool. They had a really, you know, they had been there a while. We had a team room that was all the weapons that had been kind of, you know, taken through the years. We had Dragonovs, yeah. all these PK, PKC, uh, all these AKs, RPGs, all kinds of different rifles and stuff, all these automatic weapons. They were all just like on 550 cord hanging from the ceiling. And we had a, bu- <laughs> we had a bar in there, a couple couches, like sick TV, um, and cool place to hang out, like only, only team guys in there. You want to go in there, you got to go to Bud's. So <laughs> I love it. It was, it was good. And, um, yeah, sick gym, had a sick MMA gym. So I'd go, I'd be training a bunch and everything. And, um, and, and yeah, and I, I had a kind of my first qualification was being a, being a machine gunner. Yeah. And then the second one I did, it was because I kind of missed pro dev professional. Dev, so the way the cycles work, one team will be, from let's say like one, three, five, and seven on the West Coast, one team will be in ProDev, one will be in ULT, which is all the different yeah, things you, that the, te- you, that unit the level team training will go through. And then, yeah, squadron level training. can be, you know, an air week, MAR ops, diving, almost kind of like S- the way SQT is set up, but with all, you know, advanced operators. And then a squadron integral training sit and then deployment. So you go from one to the other to the other all like kind of usually around six months for each one. And so, yeah, was there for, so I, I missed, so by the time my class graduated, um, ProDev was mostly over. And so I went right into ULT and then did SIT. And during SIT, I got to do level two, which is kind of like learning how to be a source handler. It's almost like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. CIA for the SEAL teams or something, but like, you know, not not as much as that, but, Still. So it was cool, yeah. exactly. So I got to, you know, it was a really cool mission for, like, qual for a new guy because I got to know really well the missions that we we're going to be doing and yeah. getting intel on them directly yeah. from the source. And Higher level and, like, briefing why you're doing it. My chief in yeah. OIC about going to do that. So that was, that was a really cool qual to have. And then basically because I did well with that, then I was – what I really wanted was like sniper and breacher. So then I got sniper and breacher when I came back um, and did Hearst Castmaster, and um, did it was cool. I did like a cool POTUS mission as well. So um, I think I had literally just come back from sniper school, and they're like, "Hey, guys, are leaving in a few days for Hawaii. You could go if you want. You probably want some break." I'm like, "I'm down to go to Hawaii," and. Um, we basically had to work four days during the whole the whole time where we were just hanging out in a hotel room somewhere near where Obama was at, <laughs> and then the rest of the time we were, I mean, we did we you know got familiar with the area, made a plan, made all this different stuff, did a right, little right. bit of training, did some rappelling down walls and things, but a uh, majority of the time we got to enjoy Hawaii, and we were getting like you know 120 bucks per diem a day or something cool too. Nice. Um, I had a I had a funny thing going for one of the one of the missions. You know, the Matrix where they they're in all their gear and they have the bags and they put it through the conveyor or the yep. the X ray thing. It reminded me of that. So we had a big giant bag, and we didn't want to be walking around with all our guns to like 
scare, like scare people. But uh, we had all our M4s and Everything. some shock breaching shotguns, different things that were in that were in this bag. And and uh, I'm just like walking, you know, I'm in like a polo and some normal pants. And some of the Secret Service come by. They're like, "Hey, we need to uh, we need to check your bag." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what what do you think? I was like. I literally probably have the worst thing you could imagine in here. I go, I have like, or I think I said, you know, I have like 12 machine guns in here <laughs> or something like that. I have like 12 M4s in here. And he's like, who are you guys? And I'm like, oh, we're the SEALs. He's like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize. <laughs> he's like, all right. <laughs> I'm like, what are, you, what are you searching it for? I literally have 12. <laughs> I have all the things that I'm not supposed <laughs> yeah, to have exactly. that you guys are looking for. Yeah. <laughs> and so we kind of both laugh about that. We go up, we go up to the hotel room and, just like would hang out in there, watch movies, get like get food ordered, different yeah. stuff, uh, and then went back. I think I had my birthday there, had a had a blast. Um, cool. cool birthday, and, yeah. yeah, totally. And then uh, went back, and then we started ULT again and everything. So, uh, what was your what was your second deployment? Did you go back to Iraq or did you go to Afghanistan? For my second one, I went to the UAE. It's <laughs> the uh, just a bunch crisis, of J sets and crisis stuff. response. A lot of J sets. We were the crisis response element, so we were basically on call. If something popped up, could have been another kind of Benghazi situation or something with pirates or hostages or any anything in the area. We were basically training all the time, ready to ready to uh, you know wherever they needed us. Um, training a lot of gas and oil platform go plats. Yep. Um, and then they had a lot of top jiu-jitsu guys as well that the Sheikh basically hired and would train. He was supposed to train the Amiratis, <laughs> but none of the Amiratis wanted to train jiu-jitsu. So I just got to train with all these, like, sick black belts all the time. That's cool. Um, but it was, it was there. We were doing, like, a hostage rescue training mission. So we flew in on helicopters, fast roped onto a roof, and I just had, like, a hard landing. And... Didn't notice it, but the next day I woke up and I had like all this throbbing over my IT band and my foot didn't work. It would just slap everywhere I went. I just had no dorsal flexion. I couldn't lift it up. And I was like, what's going on? And I went to, met, I went to the PA that we had. And I told him and he was calling neurosurgery and different stuff. And then we kind of realized I had herniated my L5S1. Oh. And... Um, it was crushing the nerve that works your dorsal flexion and was causing all this crazy sciatica. So then wow. I had to basically, they're like, yeah, you got to pack tonight. You're flying tomorrow to have surgery. I'm like, fuck. And so flew to Landstuhl, Germany. Yeah. Had the surgery and, and um, actually had a, fr- a friend from college when I was in Army ROTC originally. He was now a company commander of a counterintelligence unit there and so i'm like hey hi and actually i'd seen him because we we went through heidelberg on the way back from germany to, on the way back from iraq i know that city very we were well. just yeah. we were literally talking about heidelberg yeah. on the drive up here it's a great city and yeah very <laughs> for so lots of reasons that's yeah, hilarious totally yeah so we come back and he he didn't know i had gone to buds i'm like hey i'm in heidelberg and i'm with like he comes and meets me and i'm with all these Team guys, but we're not, you know, look like we're, I think some guys were probably at beards and different things. And he's like, 
are you guys contractors or what are you? He goes, what have you been doing? And I'm like, oh, we're, we're all SEALs. He's like, what? No shit. Damn, awesome. Man, that's great. Um, and then I was coming back for the surgery. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you're still in Germany, or I think you're in Germany. Um, I think I'm getting surgery. I'm coming through. And uh, he ended up com- coming and meeting me, and his girlfriend was actually a nurse at the hospital. Nice. So he... He comes and meets me. He, he and he brings me a bunch of food and stuff too, and I'm like in my gown. <laughs> I all of a sudden I start getting really hot. I was like crazy jacked too because I had just been working out every day so much too. All of a sudden I'm getting really hot. I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden I, I realize I'm gonna puke, and uh. I'm like. I go to I puke into the bag of like food that he got me. I'm like, oh man, that was <laughs> nasty. I was like, I don't don't know where that even came from. And I pick up the bag to go. This is you know just like two hours after surgery. I go to hand the bag to like dump it into the garbage, and the bottom falls oh out. Oh my god! All my puke falls all over me. I'm like, just had spine surgery. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I get up. That's and disgusting. I just, I'm just like. Naked, I just get up. I just don't even care. All these nurses are in there. I'm just like, somebody help me. <laughs> like, stop, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, That's fucking hilarious. Holy shit. And so, yeah. Um, and then kind of got to just like hang out, hang out in Germany a bit. And um, so clearly they made decision like med you, huh? Med, reti- med retirement, which well, is what you I had, was right? to be. I, I thought my back was going to get better, and then I I was on, they, I think they gave me like even, I can't remember, it might have been two weeks or four weeks, it might have been four weeks convalescent leave, so originally they wanted me to fly on like a kind of military plane all the way to San Diego, then book a personal flight all the way to uh, San, to just take a goddamn Mac flight to Baltimore like, or whatever. I'm like, I just had spine surgery. I don't want to fly across the country just to come back. Yeah. And um, I kind of kept pushing. I'm like, I'm like, we got to figure out a solution. It, there's, no, there's no sense to, um, to make me fly all the way to San Diego just to get orders right after I had spine surgery. Somebody, finally someone had common sense, and they're like, all right, we're just going to book you on a, on a military flight to, like, Newark or something. Yeah, because I know for and, a fact that they've got MAC flights from... Rhine, Maine, and all that, to fuck yeah. right into Baltimore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it had to do something. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. You know, things can be kind of bureaucratic or whatever. But, yeah, so eventually they figure, okay, you're just going to go start convalescent leave right away. And so then I got to just ha- hang out with my family a lot. It was, it was nice just hanging mm-hmm. out with my mom. My sister was back. Uh, I think she was... Yeah, she was in dental school. She had, like, one more semester. Um, and, and yeah, did, did that, went back, started physical therapy. They're like, you just don't lift anything, don't do whatever for six weeks, and then you can start physical therapy. I started that, all this different stuff, and then I started knocking out a bunch of schools at the same time. I did that instructor qualification course. I did range safety operations. I did dive soup um and i did like a atv driving course too with ricky johnson nice. which was fun and then 
basically by the time my team got back, they, I was already like, and it was time. It was time to go. Normally, you would have to go and do the instructor qualification course and all these things. I had knocked that out already. Knocked out my psych. They make sure you're not, you know, you haven't like lost it overseas before you're going to be an instructor. You're going to be engaging with all these students. So, um, by the time they all got back, I was ready. I went over to Advanced Training Command and started teaching all the combatives, which was amazing originally. And actually, that's a funny thing too. Remember I said you got to fight for... Originally, I had ordered... I had been recruited. My former Iraq platoon chief was at combatives, and he kind of recruited me. Another guy, AJ James, uh, he was my instructor for the CQD. He's a badass Muay Thai fighter. And... Then he went. He was going back to five, but he had kind of recruited me. Him and Keith had kind of made the new combatives program and had recruited me, and I had this whole background fighting, and somehow it did, like I had orders to trade it. So I talked to the senior enlisted of ATC, and he's like, you, I was like, hey, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll, I'm also a sniper. I could teach sniper. I could teach combatives. Uh, I'll do anything. I just want to help. My friends are combatives. I have a big background in that. I know I'll be a better instructor for that. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys that have as much, you know, knowledge fighting as I do. And he's like, man, I really love your attitude. I'm going to put in. And he basically did like a draft pick where he, where he like switched me with, with um, someone else at Trada. So, so um, got, got that, went there. And originally I was going to do, sniper because they had the, the spot and then help out with combatives but then they ended up getting someone else and he's like hey if you want to just be combatives you can do that too now and I'm like you know what I'll just I'll just do that and uh, that way I'm not having to fly out to Indiana all the time right and so that was at Crane right it wasn't it was at Crane other, it, was, it was a uh, camp out of Bur- yeah, Cr- at Crane's where yeah. the armor courses Crane, right, Crane right. was close like they would I think that was in Bloomington yeah, yeah. And wild down. These guys, yeah, we, <laughs> we went to Bloomington a lot. Uh, yeah, Indiana University. Yeah, and the Bluebird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And Indy, but we were there for like three months. Um, but it was a, it was a good it was a good time. Actually, one of the best times I had with like family. You know, after all that training, they had a big family. Right when you pass everything, they have a big family weekend. So, family comes out. I got to have everybody shooting 300 Win Mag, <laughs> 50 Cal. Yeah, um, in, the, in the Marine Corps, McMillan. we call it Jane Wayne Day. So all the wives, <laughs> all the wives and, yeah. and family and kids would come out and they like riding helos and same thing. She'd get behind guns and stuff, our, our guns, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That is, that is totally you awesome. came out from your family. So my mom, my sister, and my little brother. So I think that for a family member is like probably the best small glimpse of what a soft guy's life, especially on the weapon side. Like. So it was really nice having them come out. My sister had just gotten a golden retriever puppy. Originally, she was going to have someone watch him. I'm like, no, bring him out. I got to meet the new. <laughs> I got to meet the new puppy. Um, yeah, we're all softies for dogs. Yeah. Turn him into a military working dog. And then I, she was in dental school, so you know they have the very whatever proper names for everything. She <laughs> shoots a 50 cal. And she oh, goes, no. oh, my mandible. <laughs> and she goes, I'm not shooting that anymore. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm she like, fucking broke something. No, no. Oh, was no. it the, with the Barrett, the 50? It was, was we, it shoot the Mac, we shoot the McMillan. Yep, got So it. that's yep. the, the 50 bolt. Yep. And uh, and so she, and I'm like, no, Julie, get the NC exploding Rafa's round too. So yeah. every bullet yeah. is like 
75 bucks. It pierces through yeah. the armor and explodes on the inside. So I had her right. hitting a tank from a mile away, kind of tone. That's awesome. Where to hold and everything. And a bunch of the instructors had shot a bunch of deer and they made all this. Uh, yeah. They made, they made a bunch of food. Oh, yeah. Made, what was it? Like venison. Yeah. Probably venison some jerky something. too. Yeah. yeah. Stew and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then they venison had a pig, had a pig roast. Some of the guys knew a big person in the area who had a band. He came out, performed. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, had a big giant bonfire. It was like the best thing with my with my family. My my stepdad was there. He's a big hunter and everything, so he was really enjoying shooting. Did you guys shooting. get some pictures of Hope? Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of great a lot of great photos. Uh everybody holding up all the sniper rifles and <laughs> everything. That's cool. So ama- yeah, amazing time for that. Uh and and yeah, so but uh I think back to yeah, I was instructing, started doing all doing all that teaching the combatives, then became LPO, so I was the lead petty officer yep. for, for all that. We made a new course, the combatives instructor course, which uh, the basic combatives is for SQT students, like a week of training, and then the combatives instructor course was like six six weeks of training, so it was like teach the teacher. Right. Train, train Get the trainer. Get them up to a common level. Yep, and then they can... Take all that back to uh, their platoon. Make sure everyone's on the same page, and start. We would put a bunch of like Bortac and Borstar guys mm-hmm. through as well from the Border Patrol because we got connected with them and we had heard stories of different guys getting disarmed uh, while they were out because they're just out on their own a lot trying to yep. arrest Dude, these people on a fucking ATV. So yeah, like, yeah. or do they do crazy a lot of shit. like yeah, OP totally stuff? Crazy. They lot. do a lot of OP stuff. They do a lot. Of, I mean, you know, old boys. Yeah, I got a good friend of mine, a recon, though, that, that went, you probably met him. He's friends with Rudy. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about him later. I won't say his name live, but yeah. Well, we can't. So, we'll cut it out. Aaron Schweitzer. I know the name. Yeah. I'm sure. Jammer. He was Ghost in Call of Duty. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But it's super, super cool dude. But yeah, yeah. The, they. That's real cool. You guys dudes. Guys. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so we would train them. We'd have like two guys come through from each class. We'd have some local in San Diego. We had other guys come out all the way from El Paso. And um, nice. they, these guys were awesome. Uh, put a bunch of Danish frogmen through training. I heard good stories about those they're, guys. They're man. amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. They're badasses. It's good to hear um, you say that because I've heard the same thing too. Yep. So had a few guys come through because they were still doing the Dieter stuff <laughs> as well. And You're they're like, like, no, man. It's just last year. Was this sick Muay Thai fighter. He trained in Thailand with Bukau. He was like basically a pro level. And he's like, this Dieter stuff sucks. And there was, like, some old Danish frogmen who were, like, never did martial arts that were, like, this stuff is the best. We've been doing it forever. Holy and shit. he's, like, no, we got we to gotta find. got to break know, so, that chain. So they came out, and they did our basic combatives course, and he came back. He's, like, hey, they're doing all this awesome, this new awesome program. You guys should all do it. They're, like, they're like no, no, I don't. They're, like, and he's, like, well, what if we get all the seals to come out and teach it here in Copen, like outside of that Copenhagen? That sounds horrible. And, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Hey, will you guys come out for two weeks and put on a course for us?" And I'm like, "Damn straight, I will." And for Diem, yes, <laughs> went out and yeah, Dan- Danish girls were beautiful. Uh, it's like the best 
food in Europe. It's like, is it? Yeah, it's unreal. It's like the Copenhagen's like the food capital of the world, and they got all these, yeah, Michelin restaurants and everything. Oh, really? It was unreal. They even the hotel, like breakfast. You know how the hotel yeah. breakfast oh, is always garbage. Shitty. Yeah, this was like a freaking um amazing. Really? Like every <laughs> every day. Right. That's on the list then. There you go. And so, uh, yeah, we went in, and and uh, I made sure the same way I went through in detail on why Dieter sucks. <laughs> I did the same thing the first day I get there, and he's like, oh, man, that was so awesome. He goes, these guys were probably so mad, but they, they – you, you articulate exactly what the problem... It's not like you're like, oh, it's just bad. Like running you you yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about why it's bad and what you should be doing. And so then we did the whole... Yeah, brought every... And you know in the U.S. more, there's more guys who are wrestlers and boxers and stuff, but these guys are all like, you know, descendants of Vikings and really strong and really technical. So they didn't necessarily have... I think more of them train now... Um, I mean, I know, I know a lot of guys just came out, actually, and I had them train at, like, one of the top jiu-jitsu gyms here, and we just, like, hung out and had an awesome time. But uh, a lot of them didn't, hadn't trained at the time, and then they were, they were like, badasses in two, in two weeks. They, like, were, I mean, very technical with everything. So wow. that was awesome. And just getting to, we all went out for Halloween. I got all the guys to dress up in costumes for Halloween for their first time ever. Um, <laughs> what they think of Halloween? Yeah, because it's an they, American, it's an no, American for sure. only. For yeah. sure. They, they, they loved it, and it was funny. One bar I went to go to, all dressed up still, and I think they had gone back. I might have been with, like, one other person, and <laughs> I, they wouldn't let me in because I was in a costume. I'm like, you're kidding me. And then there was another what bar. What were you dressed up as? I think I was a power. I was a Power Ranger. It was like the old, there was. I was trying to find a costume last second, and it was like the only. I think it was the only thing. I don't know that yeah. that I that I that I kind of liked. It was a yellow <laughs> yellow Power Ranger, and I had to. It was like really small on me though. I had to like cut the cut cut the feet out. It was like almost like it was socks to the end. Like you could put your foot yeah, into like it. Onesie so almost. I had to cut. Yeah. So I had to like cut the feet open, and then as we're as we're going out, somebody's like, you know the yellow the yellow Power Ranger is a girl? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, really? wait. And we like I thought Google the pink it. ranger was a girl. There was a pink ranger. That would have been more obvious to me. I Google it, and it's this, like, tiny Asian. Like, I'm like, no wonder this costume is so small. And <laughs> <laughs> this tiny Asian girl. And I'm like, really? And uh, I'm like, whatever. We go out, and we're all, like, just, like, just <laughs> bumping and dancing and having having a blast and uh, and yeah I go to go to the next I go go to the next bar and there's this huge like line for it and I walk to the front I'm like hey I want to make sure am I gonna be able to get in here and the guys the guys kind of like a biker looking dude yeah. and he's like he's like yeah it's Halloween why not and I'm like okay sweet I'm like well this last place wouldn't let me in I'm a I'm a seal training like the Danish frogman stuff. Uh, and he's like, you are? He's like, oh, hell yeah. He goes, skip the line. Come right in. Let me get you some drinks. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> treatment is totally different. This place is way better. And uh, so that was awesome. That's had a, hilarious. Had a blast the rest of the time. I celebrated uh, J-Day as well, which is uh, it's their biggest drinking holiday. And J-Day is short for Yule Day, 
which means like yeah. Christmas. Yes. But it's not Christmas. It's Christmas beer day. So for the first Friday in November, they don't have Thanksgiving. So the first Friday in November, Christmas season starts and they just give away all the Christmas beer that isn't sold until that day. The first day, it's all free everywhere you go. Riding around and Mariah Carey is playing with a bunch of dancers in dressed as elves and Santa's little helpers giving out Christmas beer in the streets and these like trolleys and stuff. And I just, everywhere I'm going, it was epic. We epic. need to go there for that. Epic. We should all go. Epic J-Day. We yeah. should all go. Yeah. And we're going to bring these mics. Yule, totally. Yule Day? Yeah, it's called J-Day for short, but it's like short for Yule, which means Yule like day. Christmas beer day. Right. Basically. And Yule, like Yule Tide or Yule, there's, there's some of those that language is like into ours as well. I've heard that before somewhere else, man. Yule, That's pretty funny. Yule something. <laughs> so it was just like the best trip ever. Right. Um, and this is in Copenhagen or outside of it? Yeah. So I stayed in Copenhagen and we would just do like the hour commute every day. And what city to, was that uh, specifically? Do you remember that? Where, where you guys went that hour commute? So it's not a city; it's uh, just in the middle of nowhere where their where their base is at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Literally, you, you partied. Middle of you nowhere. went to, you, in Copenhagen's where you partied, and and stayed. They had they had hotel. They had good like really good hotels. Um, they amazing restaurants. Um, pretty uh, pretty pro Yank. Yeah, amazing. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what happened, what got you to the point where you're like, okay, well, I fucking am not going to be able to stay in. Because obviously, like right now you're training and everything, I mean, it sounds like everything's fucking rolling along pretty good. Yeah, but I'm kind of throwing my back out every two weeks. I okay, mean, that's every, right. You were saying two, you were, you were rolling and you were fucking with Jack up your back. Yeah. And it'd be, I'd be rolling and it would seem fine and then I would cool down and then I'd be walking around like an old man and, and, um. Uh, yeah, that gets old then after it'd be, a while. That'd be every t- at first it was every two months. Then it'd be every six weeks. Then it would be every five weeks, four weeks. And soon I was like getting hurt every two weeks and it was mi- like miserable. And being an instructor, I can kind of pick and choose what I'm going to do. Right. I'm like, my back's messed up. I'm not going to do this training. Uh, but going back to a platoon, you'd be, it would, you'd be a yeah, liability. No you'd yeah. be a liability. And you would look really bad. You don't want to be the broke dick guy. And one of the Bud's medical guys is like, hey, you're, you're like not going to be able to go back to a platoon. I'm going to put you in for a like medical retirement and stuff. And during this time, too, I mean, this was like a couple years, I had gotten a lot of friends who had done their MBA at Wharton. And I kind of saw, you know, doing your MBA is like a great way for, for me, having not been in business, I studied business in college, but then being a SEAL for several years, it'd be like a good way as like an intro back into the business world and everything. And I also did the Honor Foundation. It oh, you helps. did it. I almost yeah. did that. Yeah. Oh, it was With amazing. Joe, uh, Joe. Joe Musselman. Yeah. yeah very close friend. you got a friend. cool story, man. Is he, he? Was, he was actually my swim buddy from like Hudson Swim one year. Um, ama- it's amazing what he did. Being He injured his back his spine in buds and yeah and saw all these became was like an admin guy a bit around around buds and saw all these like guys he looked up to who were you know legendary operators who were like 
scared while transitioning to the private sector and not knowing sure. what they were going to do. And he's like, this is a crime that this is horrible. All these amazing guys that I look up to are like struggling. He goes, they should be get, able to walk into any fortune 500 or tech company and have a top job right away. And so somehow he like willed this thing into existence and <laughs> is this incredible. I mean, I can't imagine being like a, you know, a guy who doesn't make it in buds and somehow being able to make this foundation and put yeah, all man. these, you he's know, humble about getting, it, dude. He's, he's, yeah. he's super humble. He's got an amazing story. Getting all these like master chiefs to buy, to go and listen to you, to be able to help you help, help him make this thing. It's, it's so impressive. I went to one of the and, graduations. Uh, Cause I was slated to go to the next course and my life ended up happening the way it did. But yeah. When did you go? So I went through, I want to say, I want to say I went through like 20, end of 2015, I think. I wonder if you went with my buddy. Did you go with another Raider named Eric Kazmaier by chance? Or Andrew Christensen? I had, I, I did have several Raiders in there. My old and battalion commander, BC, went through it as well. Andrew Christensen is his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm Sorry. Pretty, I'm pretty uh, sure. I remember there Troy was like, athlete stud, shaved head. He was an O. Yeah. He's now high level over at Tesla, but on the military side. Yeah, yeah. The mil- the military side of Tesla. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, it's not really talked about. They're doing fucking wazoo shit. Nice. And so they helped me. Uh, actually, connected me with. I was actually going. I'm like, hey, I I can't make it this week. I'm training with Brian Ortega, uh, who is yeah, he's a Fought for the UFC belt a lot. He invited me and another friend up to just train with him for uh, like a week at a time, doing like privates for eight hours a day. Damn. Going to Anderson Silva School, going to the Black House MMA, going to Horian Gracie's Academy in Torrance, and training with Henner. Uh, just training like all day long, and my back was kind of messed up, but I wasn't gonna say no <laughs> to you know yeah. doing all that training either. Yeah, um, I just had to be a little care- like more careful, more. <clears throat> low impact more like not not trying to just yeah get get beat up by one of the top guys in the world but uh so I was like oh I'm I'm going to you know going to be away this week I'll I'll call in for the for the classes and I think it was like they put it on Zoom or something but uh I'd like to go see like UCLA Anderson as well and Joe connected me with some faculty there I saw the campus and I'm like this is it I got to come to this school it's a uh, I love the program. I love that they have this business creation option and entrepreneurship pipeline and all this stuff. So I, after I got out, I applied, I applied to that school and, uh, yeah, then went and did my MBA at UCLA and everything. Is this where our paths cross? Were you still in school when I met you in that year? Oh yeah, for sure. I think 20. Yeah. I graduated in June 21. So yeah. I think I met you in 20 or 19. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually, right when I got out, I traveled the world for a year with Kyle Maynard, who was a, he was born a quadruple amputee, so no arms or legs, hmm. became a champion wrestler and jiu-jitsu fighter. Then he, like, bear crawled Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Aquantagua. I've, and I've read about that. Yeah. He wrote a New York Times bestseller, No Excuses, and he did a, 
he did an MMA fight and made a documentary about it called A Fighting Chance. And, yeah, just an amazing guy. He was actually one of my heroes. It was like him and Pat Tillman were, like, two of my heroes, my, like, main heroes. And then all of a sudden, Kyle's next to me at a beach bar at, <laughs> at Shore Club in San Diego. And I'm like, I know where that's at. <laughs> I'm like, Kyle Maynard, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, hey. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm a... I'm like, I love your story. I was a Navy SEAL, and uh, yeah, I'm friends with uh, Josh Bridges. I know you have a CrossFit gym and stuff, and I yeah trained like jujitsu, and I teach all the combatants for the SEAL teams. He's like, I just worked out with Josh Bridges today. That's fine. <laughs> and, and then uh, yeah, we start talk. We literally talked for like probably two or three hours that night. He met all my SEAL boys, and then the next weekend, his sisters came to town. And I took them all out paddleboarding in San Diego Bay, and we just had an awesome time. Then we all went out in PB, Pacific Beach, and got really close with him and his sisters. And then um, he ended up maybe maybe like a year later, he moved in with me. Oh, cool, and then I would man. always have him uh, speak to my students and all That's the awesome. SCT classes. Because I used to, before I met him, I... I'd be training with Jocko and Dean and all these guys. I'm like, all right, if I ever get ready to go to Iraq, I'm like, all right, if I ever get blown up overseas, I'm just going to be real strong for my weight class, the way Kyle is. <laughs> so I used to think I, it was like empowering as well. So uh, I, I thought it was really good for my students to see that and see this guy who, you know, doesn't have arms or legs but still has an amazing life, still gets girls, still does all this, you know, and and that like you know, you don't you don't need your limbs to be happy and fulfilled and everything. So uh, yeah, we got really close. And then when I got out of the Navy, we traveled the world together. So he had a he had a speech in Japan for the Heroes Journey Conference, and uh, we we went we went to that. Had a meeting with Prime Minister's wife, uh, Miss Miss Abe, and. Was that, like, was that before he was killed? Yeah, it was. Wow. This was twenty. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was horrible. It was. It, it was with a like a two by like wooden and duct tape. I didn't hear that. that yeah. they like put this weird thing yeah. together. Yeah. The crazy thing was how <clears throat> their secret service let some random guy just walk right. Dude, up, he was. He know? was within from me to you, and he got two, and he got two shots off. Yep. They could have pulled out the gun and shot him, and they tried to like. Take him down on if he didn't get shot the second time, he probably would have lived. And yeah, well, he was and he he hung on for a little while, yeah, yeah. I think it was a horrible, and he's one of the best prime ministers that Japan had had, and I mean, and probably in my lifetime, yeah, you know, he really did a lot for that country and turned that country a disgruntled worker of some sort, right? You know, I don't know what the he had some sort of loose relation to the. I believe he had some sort of loose relation to the to the administration over there, and was yeah some sort of disgruntled thing. Story. Yeah, man, wow. Abe was a fucking great guy. Yeah, well, his really- wife was so yeah nice and sweet. We talked and shared stories for like an hour, just sitting at a table like this together, and then we got a lot of nice photos and everything. Um, my friend spoke about his experiences at the. You guys familiar with like Hero's Journey and Joseph Campbell and Not, everything? 
Uh, so, I mean, after talking about this, we're going to have to look into yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of uh, like every story is about, you know, a hero. He's having a normal life. Everything's okay. And then he, like, goes through some challenges. It's almost like he's not going to make it. And then he is, like, resurrected and then comes back and kind of, make, like, makes it through. And, you know, it's what almost every – it's like the archetype, the hero archetype. Yep. Yeah. And he kind of realized this, and um, there's a lot of lessons in in there. And so there was this conference about that. Kyle spoke at a girl, Laura Decker. She spoke at it. She sailed around the world when she was 14. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that name's super familiar. A bunch of people who were close with Joseph while he was writing writing the book. Um, and some people who made a documentary. So it was like a really cool time in Tokyo. We went all over. We kind of got wined and dined. Um, they took us to all these really cool spots. And then we're like, yeah, we don't want to go back to uh, California. We want to go to Barcelona. So we flew us to Barcelona business <laughs> business class and met a bunch of friends there. Then we went to Croatia, sailed around Croatia, did Yacht Week, um, went to Mykonos, went to Israel with Ron Shapiro and his family, Eric, like Eric Mangini's kids, Eric Mangini's his son-in-law. He was a big sports agent for Cal Ripken. His son was Mark, mm. Mark Shapiro, who is the like CEO of the Blue Jays. And um, his his kids uh, just had an amazing time with their family, went to all these different sites in Israel. We helped out with the Peace Players Foundation. It takes Arab and Israeli uh, children, mostly girls, and puts them on the same basketball team. And they become best friends th- through athletics. People that would grow up hating each other are now best friends. And so that I've was kind of a that, really That's actually pretty amazing oh. yeah. foundation. We were playing at the YMCA in Jerusalem. One more time, what's that called? The, the Basketball P- Peace, Peace Players, Players Foundation. Never heard of that. Yeah. And I met I met David Robinson there. All of a sudden I see this guy behind <laughs> me. I'm like, like you look like a little David familiar. Robinson. Um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I was like, You went to the Naval Academy, right? And he's like, Oh yeah, I did. I was like, Oh yeah, I was a I was a SEAL. For uh, 10 years. He's like, what? You were a SEAL? I used to be in Coronado watching all you crazy guys run down the beach. <laughs> uh, like, I did that a lot. <laughs> I was like, I did that three, to- three times. <laughs> McClellan and, uh, punishment. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to come meet my friend. And he's like, okay. And I bring him over and I like come over and I tap Kyle. I'm like, Kyle, I got a big guy for you to meet. And Kyle's like, <laughs> he's like, everybody's already pretty tall to Kyle already. And then, yeah, here's David Robinson. So we hung out, talked for a while. It was cool. NBA commissioner was there as well. Some pretty like powerful people connected with this foundation. And then they went out to um, the Mossad fort- fortress, Masada fortress, where it's uh, um, went to the Dead Sea. Me and Kyle, Kyle usually has all this like high tech climbing gear that it's um, they took f- carbon fiber molds of his um, of his kind of elbows or rubs and his his feet and and he uh has vibram bottoms as well wow but uh you know we're we're just got carry-ons he didn't have room for all that so he just took these towels and and wrapped them around his his kind of nubs and then he duct taped them and then he was just uh just used that to walk and duct taped it really hard so it's almost like a would protect right and, I mean, this is in the desert, too, so 
We started at four in the morning. It wasn't too bad, but then the sun started coming out, getting hotter and hotter. And Kyle is a sweater. Um, like amputees sweat more in general because they don't have Can't as, regulate as much skin surface. Yeah, they don't yeah. have as yeah. much surface area. So he was sweating like crazy. <laughs> These things were probably ten pounds each that he of towels that he was like to sweat. You know, holy shit! Just, I mean, it's a it's a tough hike already. If you're a normal person, he's crawling it with radiating like, heat off his yeah. stomach and fucking. Yep. So it was, what so, was he wearing here? No shirt, no shirt. Neither of us had shirts. I don't like shirts. And he's I, literally crawling. Yeah, bear, cr- bear crawling. Doesn't so that we get fucking frying his chest? I'm sure it was uncomfortable. Oh, good save, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, we get we get some cool photos along the way. We get to the top, and it's uh, it's beautiful. At least at the top, there's kind of like a chairlift that brings you down but we hung out at the top for a while yeah and yeah had a good good time then we went from there where did we go next i mean we yeah went to like 20 20 plus countries that year came i'm I'm gonna cut you off real quick man i want to touch on this you you've been through a lot already man but being around this this life force like him like i'm he's had to even solidify your mindset in drive and you know your your the perseverance to, to make it through things in life even more so like how how has he individually touched you i mean you've already said a lot but i mean just really touching about that bond of, of you two that's a pretty incredible story man yeah we've done we've done a lot we've done a lot together we also did a trek from sparta to thermopylae <laughs> tracing the steps of king leonidas and the 300 spartans no way so, he had a he had a kind of special bike made. It was called the green the green machine. It's a it's a hand bike. Most people go like this, you yeah. know, to be able to do it. It's a lot of times for people who have a spine injury and can't use their legs, so they so they their arms are what pushes it. He he can't do that, so he has to do like a full kind of sit up every time and yeah. so he's in this and he's going up these mountains that are you know, we did they, I think it was 29,000 feet of elevation change. Over a mountain, down a mountain, over a mountain, down. Going up was brutal for him. Going down, he's used to being like the slow guy. He's cruising 50 miles an hour on this thing, Fuck. flying down these mountains, having a blast. And then he'd meet like, police at the bottom and be drinking a beer with the police by the time we got there and stuff. That's up. insane. It was, it was awesome. But, uh, I mean, it, it just I mean, it makes you a lot of... You know, it's inspir- it's inspirational. That's why I was always, that's why he was kind of my hero anyway. it's I remember his, he had a famous wrestling coach, and he spoke about him. He goes, there's never been an athlete that was born this disabled that was able to compete at such a high level uh, against able-bodied people. He beat multiple state champions his senior year. <laughs> He, he so started I, off. So I don't know much about him. So hearing this just for such an outsider to him and this story is pretty incredible. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Just so, so inspirational. Um, and he started off wrestling, zero and 35. He wanted to quit. He was just, people were saying it was child abuse, that his parents were, were doing this to him, allowing him to wrestle. And he wanted to quit. His dad's like, don't quit. I didn't win a match my, my first year either, which was a lie, but he didn't want his son to quit. And he goes, but 
come your second year, you're going to find a first-year wrestler, and you're going to beat him. <laughs> and he, he goes out, and he sees a guy kind of warming up, and the guy's kind of a little goofy or whatever, and he's like, like this guy's a first year. I'm going to beat the guy. And he freaking, like, pins the guy then. He wins his first match. He went from starting 0 and 35 to finishing, like, 100-something and 45. And Holy he shit. Went, no arms and no legs. No arms or legs. Won, like, 90% of his matches after that. So it's like sometimes it's... <laughs> It's like you don't know how close you are. Like, never give up. Even if it seems hopeless, he went from starting 0-35 and to now being in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's like you never know how close you are as long as you don't give up. It's all here. Yeah. So cliche and cheesy to fucking say that, but it's like... Wow, that's absolutely incredible. Holy shit. And never, never lose hope either. Here he was, you know, never, he like could barely put on a sock on his own when he was like growing up. And then, so I I keep getting this sense, like, is what is, what's going on with the guy now? Is he still alive? Yeah. Okay. Cause I I don't like, I was going to, I keep getting the sense like you, you you keep referring to it sort of in the past tense. And I'm like, I don't really want to ask. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, maybe just all the things. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Totally. Stories were, were in, were in the past, you know, so where's he, where's he live now? He's uh, back. He moved back to Atlanta during COVID. So he could just be with his family during that and stuff. Shitty time for everybody. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of harder, you know, being, it's harder for him, especially on your own. It's harder to make coffee, harder to do whatever. So, I mean, he, he lives he lives on his own too, but it's nice for him having family close by. For sure. That can, yeah. that can help him. Um, but, uh, yeah, amazing guy. He introduced me to another. It's funny. There's this, like, alliance between Navy SEALs and quadruple amputees. He he was close with the guy, Nick Santanastasso, who was – born a quadruple amputee as well. They didn't think he would, like, live more than a year or something, I think. And then he had this big, amazing life now. Uh, he opens up speaking for Tony Robbins and does all this does all this crazy stuff. He's bodybuilding. He'll be working out with Steve... A- he'll be DJing with Steve Aoki. He'll be working out, he'll be working out with The Rock. Uh, amazing speaker, this, friend. I've seen... Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, when yeah. I was in L.A., anytime him and his uh, his kind of managers and slash friends, Ratmir and Don, anytime they'd come through L.A., they would always, like, stay stay with me, and we'd go do a bunch of stuff together. Awesome, um, Amazing guys. So, yeah, and then I'd always have a bunch of my SEAL friends hanging, doing stuff with us all. So it was, like, funny. It's, like, these quadruple amputees and Navy SEALs, like, al- <laughs> like have an alliance together. That's doing, determination, doing man, epic you know? Stuff. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. totally. The, the totally. attitude that you build, you know, from the community, and it's, like, these guys, you, man, it's... I feel like if you're in a position like that, you're born in those sort of circumstances, it's, it's going to go one of two ways. You're just going to be down on yourself, or yeah. your only other option is to just fucking grab like by the balls and give it 110 percent you know i i feel it's in that same realm and same space as uh it's one of my favorite movies and and books and it's a true story unbroken oh yeah yeah i forgot his name yeah no that that (laughs) dude is just that that 
it's rare I get choked. Well, it's not rare. I get choked up at movies, but it's rare that uh, I'm a softie, dude. Pixar movies give you every time, man. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. I think a lot of us are actually like that. But uh, don't put a little kitten and a fucking puppy in front of me, dude. But uh, that movie, dude, same situation, man. It's like, and you said it, dude. I want to touch on something too before I lose it. And I won't let it segue into like, 30 minutes fucking talking about suicide, but you, you said something that you don't know how close you are to making it. Yeah. And so many guys we've lost, you know, between the three of us, just us three alone, we could probably count 100 fucking guys of suicide that have ended it. You know, it's like, you don't know how close you are to just, tomorrow could be a completely different day. The next hour, a different mindset change just a little bit could be a little bit different day, man. Like, it's, especially with his story, you know, it's like, no matter how bad you think you have it at that moment, and, and a lot of these dudes have been through a fucking shit ton of shit already overseas, right? But like, it could be so much fucking worse. You yeah. Know, like, your significant other, she's cheating on you, or whatever, or you're broke. Like, dude, tomorrow could be so much fucking different, man, if you just hold on a little bit fucking longer, man. I don't know if I'm saying that the yeah, right way. Yeah, no, dude. totally. And a lot of times you can literally will things into happening the way... I did with buds is like the lesson, you know, you, and that was one of the things that one of these mentors, the master chief guiled, he said, so many people have done so many things harder than buds because they didn't have an option. They were in a POW camp. Yep. He goes, they weren't allowed to quit. They weren't allowed to, you know, do whatever they had. They had to do this to survive or they do approach like, you know, hell week with this mentality, you're going to be able to do, do it no problem. Yep. And that's like exactly what I put, what I put into it. It's like, you don't have an option to quit. And so many people so much weaker than me did things so much harder because they didn't have an option. That I can't, when you start saying I can't, that's, that's the first domino. Like that's, it's, it's, you got to go into that cave of like, I'm not going to, I have to fucking die or pass out. Yep. Or I'm going to wake back up and keep fucking crawling. And, and you got to remember too, it's not, it's not going to be quick and beautiful and easy. It's not, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You're not going <laughs> to, you know, but that's a, like buds was, it was a, it was a couple marathons for me. How like, bad, you how know? bad do you fucking want it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, truly. So I'm sure that quit monster, as I call it, was in your head every second, every fucking day. You just got to push that bitch out. For sure. Out. We've, I, we've all seen that. I mean, I had a, I had a roommate who was a good dude. Man, we woke up in the morning, and I, he'd sit on the edge of his bed every day, just like his head down. I'm not going to say his whole Steve was his name, but, but man, yeah. I'd, I'd get up in the morning, fucking pep talk this dude every single day. Hey, come on, man. You got it. Let's go. Let's go. And I didn't want to fucking, you know, I didn't, I didn't want him to think that he was going to fucking let it go and let it happen, you know. But we were at the CTT, man, freaking like a couple days later, a week later or whatever, and I fucking get out of the pool. I look, and there he's up sitting back to the pool up at the fence, and I'm just like, fuck. And at that point, I can't, you can't do anything. You know, he's done. He's made his decision. And I get over in the formation. I said to one of my buddies, I'm just like, what, what happened, dude? Just fucking Steve fucking just quit, man. He just got out, didn't want to do it anymore. And but it was like like that. He he just let it into his mind and you just let it beat him down and 
It sucks. Have dude. you heard of monkey mind? Uh-uh. So this was another thing. Monkey that, mind? Monkey mind. Huh. This was another thing that this, this mentor who'd speak to, speak to us about stoicism and philosophy, he was like, so uh, when you think about quitting, um, it's think, you know, you're walking down the street and you have a random thought pop in your head. How often is that? Sometimes it's like a horrible thought. You're like, you like think to yourself, what the heck was that? What did, yeah. what did I think yeah. this crazy thing? Um, and it's like, that's, that's who you really are. You're not your first thought. You're not this random crazy thing that like popped in your mind. You're your second thought. You're your third thought. You're your thought about the thought. That's who you are. And so people would ask me sometimes, did you, did you ever think of quitting? Never was I like, oh, I'm going to, I, I, I want to quit. It was, you know, sometimes it was even doing easy stuff. You right. do some push-ups, do some, it's like hit the surf. You're like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. I, I could quit. But immediately my next thought would be like, shut, shut up, pussy. Shut like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, what, like, that's, that's not who you are immediately. Your second thought, your third thought. Like, anytime that quit, you know, you said that quit monster would, like, pop in your mind. You'd be like, shut up. This is easy. This is the, the easy thing. Or, like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Or, I mean, when, and then when you're really strong at times, you're not even, it's not even a thing. You're not thinking about, like, making it. You're thinking about winning. When you're worried about winning, that, I mean, it's almost easy at that point. When you're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to win. I'm going to get a break. I'm going to be chilling. I'm working out on the beach with yep. my friends. I'm winning these, these events and performing. Then you're, you're thriving. You're not, you're not surviving. And, and uh, yeah. so that's what I would, anytime I was like, I, I never seriously had the thought in my mind about quitting. It was, it was always this monkey mind. And I would associate that like weak thought with Every crazy thing that ever popped into my mind that I was immediately like, that's not you. <laughs> it's you funny. Know? I've never heard that and term before. But, it, I, <laughs> dude, I, I felt the same exact way. I, I can honestly say it was one of the things where I never – I mean, I had been a Marine before and had been, dude, infantry school in January, like sitting in a fucking fighting position that I, um, I was a fucking machine gunner, sitting in a fucking fighting position in Camp Lejeune, in the rain, like up to my waist, just jackhammering – Nobody gave a fuck, but you stick it out. You know what I'm saying? And I knew going through fucking Swick School, going through fucking decon and first surf tortured, all that bullshit. It's like I've been colder and I never will. I will honestly say I never had at one point where I ever thought that I'm going to fucking quit. But I I would always see these people around me. I had a funny uh, situation when I was in Indoc. I had a weird schedule because I fucking went through... For some reason, they sent me through Sear before I got to fucking Swick School. So I, sh- I was fucked up, too, because I Correct. showed up with After a... After being stuck in a box. A buddy of dude. Yeah, and I had lost... Like, I'm not... I was, I've never been a super heavy guy. I've always been super lean. And I fucking had a buddy of mine that I went through core school with, all this. And we were fucking on the same track. Um, and he's a, he's a fucking PA now, but we ended up in the same thing. Went to fucking Sear together. I lost like 11 pounds. He lost like... 15, 16 pounds of sear. We showed up like a couple of weeks into Indoc and we had to, they're like, 
fucking get out of your blues, go change, you're doing your fucking PST. We both fucking failed it. Like, uh, dude, we were fucking beat down. You know how, you know how you feel when you come out of that. We were fucking smoked. And they're like, motherfuckers. And this was Friday when we left. You know, we just went up the fucking strand to, because it was in Coronado. And uh, they're like, you fucking Monday morning, you're taking your PST again. You fucking fail it. You're, you're out of here. Dude, I'm drinking like, saying like protein drinks all weekend, like stretching, doing all the shit. Dude, I passed by the skin of my, I fucking passed my swim, okay? Pull ups by the skin of my fucking teeth, passed everything. My buddy didn't pass it. He ended up going to, became a corpsman at State Platoon, lost his fucking eye in Iraq from a fucking ID and but he's a PA yeah. now dude's driven on he's done fucking great wow. stuff um but when I was in Indoc I had a fucking one of the guys from my class come up to me we were out at a bar or whatever on Saturday night and he's like dude he's like cuz he knew that I was a marine he's like you're not a real navy guy you're fucking marine blow you're never going to make <laughs> it blah blah literally that week or the next week I would think it was like during our first phase like he fucking quit at the pool and I just remember looking at this dude and I'm like I walked by him and I was like who quit, man? What's up? Fucking just kind of snarky comment. I think I yeah. ended up getting fucking slaughtered for that because yeah. the instructor heard me. But yeah. it's just like that kind of attitude, man. It's like I would see people quit yeah. and it would just give me energy. Like, that's yeah. right. Another one down. Another one down, man. That's that's how I always looked at it, you know? And all, it, all these soft schools have similarity in a lot of ways and some differences, right? But pain, suffering, yeah. no sleep, emaciated, tired, no fucking food. You're firing on fucking like one piston the whole fucking time, and it's and they do that on purpose, you know, to see who's right. gonna fucking drop. And people ask us all the time, like, well, you know, what what keeps you going? Like that, what you just said was mine too. Was like, like seeing people fucking quit, and I was just like, I'm eating that, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. I don't want people to fucking quit, but I'm like, I know I'm gonna make it one step further than that fucking dude. Yeah, you know? and it's like my buddy, uh, I can't say his name, but he's working overseas for one of the agencies right now. He's in Germany. Um, in recon school in BRC at Coronado, or Amphib phase, but it's at Coronado at the same time. So in 2002, that's when I went through it. And uh, fucking, it was like a, it was a magazine. It doesn't matter what kind of it was, but it was a, it was a <laughs> clipping. It was, a, it was like a clown face. It was really weird, man. It was like a kind of demonic-looking clown that he like cut out of a magazine. He taped it on our lockers there across the same chow hall that where we stole all the Bud's helmets from. Uh, you know, recon guys, we had to fuck with the buds, dude. So that was like 2002. It was like class two, four or something, I think, or three, nine. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I actually know the guy. This is a long story. But he wrote, it can't stop time in magic marker on the top or the bottom of this clown image that he stuck to the fucking thing. And I was like, yo, I almost said his name. It's like, yo, man, uh, what the fuck do you mean by that, dude? And I was like sitting on his rack. It was like the, one of the few time, down times that we had in between evolutions. And he's like, dude, no matter what, he's like, they can't stop time. This school, this course is fucking, you know. Ticking. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to come to an end. It's going to be here. You're not going to be here. One hour, one chow, one night evolution. He's like, they can't stop time. This is going to end at some fucking point. <laughs> I was just like, and I never forgot that. And that was 2002. And after every sniper course and every course I went through, whatever agency, dude, I'm like, this is going to fucking end. And they're instructors. And I've been an instructor too, you know, like, it's all. So everyone that's listening that's heard some of these stories already, like, and you're thinking about this life as a future warrior, male, female, doesn't matter. Like, it's it's going to fucking suck. Just don't quit. But if you just do what you need to do day in, day out, it's going to end and you earn that fucking title. And you got to earn it, though. Yeah. Dude, I, I tell you, I, I always felt like, too, I like to... 
I, I, and it got me in trouble a few times. Like I'd sometimes run my mouth or whatever. And I, I fucking pissing people off, but like during school, I definitely, uh, who are you? Yeah. Uh, it was funny because when they found out I had been a Marine, uh, this is when we were at, uh, mountain warfare fucking up on the mountain and, uh, God damn, I can't remember what the fucking, what's that? It's not, not an Island, but it's, uh, the mountain warfare training center. Out, out there, fucking La Posta. Yeah, mm. yep. yeah, that's yeah. Where so we're at the range in La Posta. Yeah, is. and uh, man, I was just always a good shot. I'm like out shooting the rest of the class at pistol, everything. And they're like, uh, at one point, they're like, "All right, fucking pays to be a winner. Pick one of your guys. You're gonna shoot against us, and whoever wins, fuck. If you guys win, you get like the night off. We'll bring pizza and fucking you get to watch a movie. And I fucking I fired against one of the instructors. And outshot his ass, Damn. dude. And I still have, I still have my fucking the, target? The, the target from there. Everybody in my class signed it. That's cool. Wow. And they uh, cool. they followed they through expect, with it. And they didn't expect. Oh you fuck to... no! And their guy. And he was the best shooter. He was, uh, yeah, instructor Gray. He was a twenty-two guy, and he had been through fucking sniper school and all this stuff. But dude, I was just like, I, it was funny because just a natural. I didn't yeah. look at him, but I could hear him like, boom, 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 boom. Boom. And there was like no pause. So yeah. we just, we, I was like fucking 50 yards or whatever with the rifle, dude. And I was just like, boom. I take a breath. Yep. Boom. And I could see, dude. And I'm looking. I'm like fucking in the black, in the black, in the black. And it was funny as fuck because when the instructors, when I finally got done, he'd been done for like a couple of minutes. Yeah. We all walked down there, and they ran over, and they pulled my fucking tar- They're like, oh, you missed, you missed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let me see his. Let me see it, dude. His shit was peppered all around the fucking outside. Yeah. I was like, what's up? Fuck. It was a good time, man. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Did they follow through with so the fucking Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to watch. I don't remember what it was, but <laughs> there's a, there's like an the old. class hero for a night. Yeah, yeah. there's an old state, like a, a so radar station or some shit at the top of this mountain and like where we have classes, and we clean weapons and shit, and we sat up there and like had uh, had a. They fucking brought us all pizza and watched a movie one night and stuff. It was cool. Yeah. It was a good time. Those little moments are what's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure, man. That, that gets you through it, dude, is like being able to laugh and just have a good time. And for me, that's always a, a big thing, just having fun, you know, making, yeah. making light of some stuff. You know, even the shitty times, it's like yep. you got to laugh. Uh, so this last section of, of the podcast, um, you know, you get out of the teams um, – you go to Honor Foundation, you get your MBA. I don't want to make light of that stuff, but just to kind of get this, this, this next important section, this next phase of your life, um, talk about how you got into Sunga Life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, Did I say it right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. like, dude, yeah, like, like, pump yeah, your like, business, man. I, uh, yeah, like, let us know how that kind of, the idea came about and, like, what you're doing now with that. And, and like, the name of it. Yeah, throw out totally. all the, all your socials and stuff, too, and I'm going to hit you up and get you the links about that, so the links to your business and awesome. Instagram and all this yeah. shit will be in the description awesome. and everything, and so, yeah. So, I had, a, so I was real close with the Gracie family, and a, they invited me down to Brazil with them, and I would go, and we'd go for, like, Christmas, we would go for New Year, we'd go to... Rio de Janeiro and Floripa, Sao Paulo, Trancozu, wow. all these epic, epic trips. And well, I think it was like the first time I was down there, I saw, you know, you're, you're at the beaches and there's all these beautiful girls and all the guys are in a thing called a sunga. It's kind of like a hybrid between shorts and a speedo. It's like a little, <laughs> like, boxy. And I'm in my board shorts and I just feel like a loser. I'm like... 
man, everybody's wearing these, like, looks, I'm like, I think they look way better. Um, they, like, dry faster. You get better suntans. Uh, I'm talking to a girl. I'm like, yeah, I think I need to go get, get some of these sungas. And she goes, they're so sexy on men. And I'm like, that's Done. it. I'm, I'm, buying, so You're like, <laughs> I'm like buying 10 of them. And I started uh, wearing them all over the world. And I didn't have to go talk to girls anymore. They would be like, oh, I like your swimwear. I like your swimwear. And Seriously? They would be, yeah. Because I know our just, mentality, we're like, oh, that's a little too fucking short, man. And I did like Croatia. I did Croatia Yacht Week. And I was like a celebrity there. And every guy was like, where can I get these? Where can I get these? So what's these? the length? Um, I, I have no idea exactly what you're talking So what's the length on these things? Like, compare them to, like, uh, fucking silkies or something. Like, like half. <laughs> half a silky? Yeah. <laughs> so think Are they of, tight? So think of a Speedo, but a little more loose and okay. a little more boxy. A, okay. a Speedo is like a triangle, and a Sunga <laughs> is more like a box. Okay. And you know the old Valley Tudo days where guys were fighting in UFC, and they... they Vitor yeah. Belfort fought, yep. in a, fought in a black sunga, and and so yeah, I, I I started wearing them all over, and everybody was like, "Where can I get these? Where can I get these?" I'm like, uh, "Pretty much only in Rio de Janeiro and throughout Brazil." And I had a, you know, I realized I was doing the honor. I was about to do the honor foundation. I realized um, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. But didn't know what product. It's got to be right, man. You got to have the right and fit. Yeah. I remember even telling like Joe Musselman, I'm like, oh, I want to make the first America Sunga company and everything. And I was thinking maybe after doing my MBA, I would go and like found a company and stuff. But then going to after like finishing the course, we went to Silicon Valley, toured all these tech companies: Google, Airbnb, LinkedIn, Uber. And I was like, you know what? I need to just make my company right now. And then while I'm doing my MBA, I can take what I learn and make my company better and more successful and help it scale. Isn't that one of the so, projects, though, during your MBA, too, is coming up with a business? And, and yeah, and I already had it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I already had it. Huh. Or you can, join a, you can join a team of someone that has it. So I had all these, like, really smart MBA students work on my team to help scale my company. <laughs> That's awesome. Help me build better decks, create a whole business plan. Uh, and I could just focus on like telling the story and sca- scaling the company. It was even, I was like, I wanted a big, a big thing for doing your MBA. You want to have a plan. If you just say, oh, I want to go here to figure it out. They're not going to like that. You're not going to get accepted. So I'm like, hey, I have this company. I want to use UCLA to make it more successful, which in turn I can help support veteran foundations that I'm really passionate about, and and uh, make my comp- like help make them more successful and grow grow my company, help veterans, um, and and so I got it helped me get helped me get accepted, and honestly, I, sometimes. Studying business can be a little boring if you're just like, all right, I'm doing accounting, I'm doing finance, I'm, you know, doing statistics. It, it can be a little boring, and that's how it was in college when I did it. I'm like, I, I need to be a business major, but it wasn't the funnest thing in the world. But creating businesses is is super fun, and having the strategy and putting it into action and watching it grow. So 
having this company and taking all these things I learned and having it apply directly to my company and then doing different accelerators. I did Startup UCLA. I did the business creation option. I did the Anderson Venture Accelerator. And I'm having to pitch my company thousands of times. There was times it'd be like speed dating. They would have like 12 successful entrepreneurs come in. You'd go, you'd have to tell the person about your company for five minutes and then it'd go to the next person. You're like, hey, I'm Jeff. This is my company. Oh, Made shit. After going to, and all right, next person. Boom, boom, boom. And you, I just got really comfortable and, and good at telling, telling uh, the story about the brand and you know, why people should wear it. And so it was just Sungas at first and started making sunglasses, headbands, oh, okay. um, fanny packs because you need somewhere to put your stuff when you're wearing, when you're wearing a Sunga. And it's kind of like peacocking at the, at the same time, you know? So, and then I started making silkies. I'm like, silkies are awesome, but I need somewhere to put my stuff and I don't want it flopping around in like a, like a pocket like that. So then I made pocket silkies, which have a spandex liner that so are that's all, where I remember seeing you, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you can it's like all the chicks have with their fucking, with their, uh, totally. Yeah. Just yep. slides in there. It's all I work out in and start making joggers, board shorts, and the board shorts are super functional that you have like, you know, normal front pockets that all your stuff can go in a zipper pocket for the back that your phone can go in. Um, and, and yeah, just start, start growing. It started, became like a, board member on the Adaptive Training Foundation, training amputee veterans, uh, made and donated the shorts for the Hudson Seal Swim. Rudy had always been into kind of Speedos and Silkies. <laughs> yes. And he, of course. he saw my company and just DM'd it and was like, hey, I love, love what this is about. I founded the Force Blue Team, one team, one fight. Let's, let's, get, let's get together. And I'm like... This guy is awesome, and I had heard about the Force Blue team already. I wanted to get involved, but I was a little crazy busy with my um, with my MBA. But all of a sudden, me and I'm like, this guy is awesome. He found the Force Blue team. I'm like, and he's like, hey, I'm come. I'm like, dude, let's get together. I sent him a bunch of my shorts, and then he uh, came out to LA for for something, and we got together and did a workout and became like best friends right there. And he ended up. Uh, I went. I had a girlfriend in Spain. I was like, "Hey, you want to crash in my place?" Because well, because he was his place was in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Just stay at my place with Jade," and uh, they stayed at my place for a while while I was in Europe. And they would even kind of ship stuff out for me sometimes when I needed them to. And yeah, started coming out doing Force Blue missions with them. I already had ties to Florida from going to school for my undergrad here. I was like, I want to be more involved with Force Blue. My family's in Pennsylvania. It's going to be way easier. to. I liked what DeSantis was doing. Uh, I hated what was happening in California with, So, you know, Real quick, do you want to give a little bit of background on what Force Blue is? I know that's not yeah. your, like, but yeah. You want to give a yeah, little background so, on that? So Rudy, Rudy was a co-founder on Force Blue. He, he uh, saw you know, the coral reef being destroyed and wanted to be able to fight for something that can't fight for itself. So he got together a team of all uh, former combat divers from all the branches, Air Force Pararescue, Recon Marines, um, Army Delta, Army SF, Navy SEALs, Air Force Pararescue and Combat Controllers. And then we 
work with the top like coral scientists in the world that are at the Frost Center for Science, the Florida Aquarium, University of Miami, Rosensteel School, FAU. So this is all here in Florida. So we do missions around the country because we have a partnership with the NFL too. So we do, they right. just did one out in Phoenix, did one the year before um, with the kelp. The kelp is being destroyed by sea urchins because they don't have any natural predators with the sea otters all being like cold in, um, in, in, uh, in L.A., Santa Monica, everything. There's no sea otters to, to kill the sea urchins. So we had to go around smashing the sea urchins. We built like a whole football field, a coral reef, over a thousand staghorn coral and all these other diverse coral. Um, do sea turtle missions down in the Florida Keys. And it's not just combat divers and scientists, but we have a lot of like celebrities. Like I was diving with Randy Couture. Um, Kayla Harrison dove with us from the, PF, from the PFL, the PFL champion and Olympic gold medalist in judo. Um, we have Miami Dolphins. Matt Collins joined us for, for some dives. And I was, I was uh, diving with Martin Gramatica, a Super Bowl champion kicker mm. for the Bucks, and I think when they won it in 03 or something. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of awesome people all coming together, and then we create documentaries about the work to, like, inspire change in the world and everything. So amazing foundation. And while it gives these guys a new mission, some guys can be, you know, pretty depressed and like lose a sense of meaning, lose a sense of camaraderie. And with force blue, they have that they're fighting for something again that can't fight for itself. They're working with their brothers and finding brothers from different branches at the same time. So I love how we all come together and do that. And not just, you know, spec ops guys, but the scientists who, you know, train like, uh, learn their whole life to be, you know, at the highest level, and then they teach us in, like, a day, and we get to go out and do some of the same <laughs> missions. It's, like, best-case scenario. I never yeah. thought I'd be a marine biologist, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. And then we're all, like, certified by NAWI as scientific master divers. That's awesome. So, it's really cool. And then I make some forced blue apparel as well, so everybody can look really good while we're out there, there you go. saving yeah. the coral reef. Yeah. <laughs> That's first awesome. rule, man. First yeah. rule is looking cool. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's very That's very cool, man. That's okay. awesome. So, what do you have anything like coming out? Any new new stuff, new apparel, or anything like that you want to talk about? Throw out now, or yeah, well, like- I you know I got all kinds of. I created my own camo patterns. I put little subtle tridents in it, and it's called the uh, the Naked Warrior camo, and that's that's honoring the original frogmen that cleared the beaches in Normandy and Iwo Jima. There was they were called the Naked Warriors because they would wear. It was almost like a sunga. It was UDT shorts, and and they'd have, a, they'd have a dive knife, some fins, a mask, sometimes haversack explosives, and they'd go clear the beaches so the Marines could go through and clear it and, and be safe there. So um, it was a great way to honor to honor them, kind of put you know a differentiator on it, and then it's really great to wear while we do all these epic charity challenges, doing the the Greece mission, the Hudson swims. I did the honor foundation swim in Coronado to the USS Midway. Uh, With the adaptive training foundation, we do after nine weeks of training of adaptive therapy for these athletes, they redeploy to the mountains. It's called military to the mountains. And we do a ski trip for a week on at Granby ranch. And we'll do, and if it's summer, they'll do surf trips. We took uh, Derek Herrera out. Me and Rudy were 
diving or surfing with him there. Um, so all these incredible missions, and um, it's a way to uh, kind of be about freedom and courage and continuing to serve. I love it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's awesome. Another, another cool thing I started uh, several months ago, me and a few different business partners, Andrew Platus, who is a Army Ranger, uh, Rob O'Neill, who's SEAL Team 6, um, another Army veteran who he he's built like Bezos's properties and Ken Griffey Jr.'s properties. We're building a shooting range up by Palm Beach, and it's uh, it's in, yeah 30 minutes outside there. It's going to be like a very exclusive, exclusive shooting range, all private member, kind of like a country club, but for shooting, so it's a country club. <laughs> and I like it. I like it. When's that open up? Do you guys have a timeline for that? Yeah, we're going to have a soft opening in April, and then the grand opening should be in May. And, uh, it's, yeah, nine acres, all outdoor. A lot of benefits to being all outdoor in the – while you're inside, if you shoot, like, you know, several bursts, you can – it can put up a lot of toxic fumes yep. and everything. So way better to be outside. Uh, Going to have, like, a 300-meter range – a little mini sniper, 150-meter uh, range, and then we're going to have like a 35-meter range where it's going to be all this different steel and everything, do different kind of turn tactical training and all that. Um, and then we're going to have a kill house, combatives area. We'll put different agencies can come through training. Nice. And, uh, and then, yeah, civilians that are uh, members and all that. So really excited for that. I think it's very important that people have the ability to defend themselves. Things are, you saw what happened in California. That's, you know, one of the reasons I left people, even as a special, former special operator, I can't carry a gun concealed. You know, they don't, they don't really give them out over there. And now people are just getting robbed in in daylight. You see the videos all the time. There's nothing people can do. They can't defend themselves. So uh, people have that right in Florida and I want them to be able to do it, you know, Take it, take their training to the next level, not just of nope. shooting, but combat like combatives and being able to fight their way out of positions uh, and get, get back safe to their structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be safe, be effective. Yep. And and be, be a help and not a hindrance to something yeah. that's going bad. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, clearly you're not very busy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I'll tell you what, I, I think stuff's amazing. I mean, the, your story is amazing, and and I really appreciate the time that you spent with us, and I think it's good. You know, our listeners out there, how do they find Sunga, Sunga Life? Excuse me, how do they find, like, what socials would you like to put out there for people that are listening to, to reach out to you or support or anything like that? Yeah, in, Instagram is the best for, for uh, Sunga Life. It's just at sunga.life, S-U-N-G-A dot L-I-F-E. And then my personal is at Jeff Gum, J-E-F-F-G-U-M. And then... Uh, the tra- the train so that private member club is called train club kind of like you know fight club but yep. train club and the website is going to be train club train club.com and the instagram is uh, at pew university so p p e w u n i v e r s i t y okay love that yeah. well, thanks for joining hey. us brother yeah Pleasure. absolutely amazing All right, guys. Hey, thanks for hanging out with Savage Actual and listening to this incredible story. Um, Make sure you guys check us out on the socials, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Savage Actual. And uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys.
Cool. Jeff. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime, find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.